Good afternoon and welcome to the Pleasure for Health podcast where we delve into topics that have to do with relationships, intimacy and self-development. My name is Elsa Kepi and I'm pleased to be here with you this Wednesday afternoon to talk about something that I feel is somewhat fun, funny, but also can be really frustrating if you're in an intimate relationship or any relationship really. And this is the idea of um, kind of overcoupling in a res- in a trauma response kind of way. And I'm going to go into what that means if you haven't heard of that term overcoupling. And we're going to talk about how it comes up, maybe how the the um, how the behavior arises for us, and then maybe what we can do about it if it is causing problems in our relationships. If you'd like to find out more about me and my work, please go to ailsakepi.com. That's A-I-L-S-A-K-E-P-P-I-E.com. That will take you to my various websites and work, and I would love to have you reach out to me from there. But let's dive right into this term called overcoupling. So what this is referring to in our own brain it doesn't actually mean that you're overcoupling, you're having too many romantic partners. What it means is um, it's about hooking up different parts of our brain in a way that helps us to react really quickly to a situation. So it involves often involves the parts of the brain known as the limbic or, or the emotional part of the brain and the reptilian or the lower brainstem part of the brain. And these parts are in charge of helping us, you know, just basic regulation, survival, instinct, um, responding quickly to, um, you know, to things that come up in the world. It is not, you'll notice, it's not about our cognitive thinking, rational, let's weigh the choices kind of a part of our brain, which is the upper cortex part of our brain. So this this sort of thinking this sort of response comes from um, our earlier versions of our brain that so you know it helps us move quickly and this can be really important when we're dealing with a traumatic situation we don't want to have to stop and pause and, and weigh all of our choices and then make a response we'd, we'd be dead by then right so our brain has very cleverly helped us to couple these responses together. And and you'll notice in the description of this, I put, it's kind of a response that goes like, if this dot, 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 then that dot, dot, dot. So it means like, if, if I, you know, go into a crowded marketplace, then I'll get robbed. You know, perhaps you in a, in a past life or in an earlier life went and were kind of robbed in a marketplace and you were really distraught because you lost your purse or whatever. And from then on, you've always had this kind of anxiety about going in crowded places or marketplaces. This is an, this is an example of how we've coupled that together. If you're in a crowded place, this is dangerous and you are going to get robbed. Now your brain does that because, you know, you had that traumatic situation and you needed to, uh, you know, deal with it and so you know if it was scary for you you know your heart rate went up you responded you were upset and your body goes if i'm in that situation again here's where here's what i need to do i need to you know run or i need to you know get angry and fight the person or i need to respond quickly so in in a relationship this kind of thing can come up like 
you know, if I, if I try to be nice to my partner, she's going to reject me. You know, every time I try to do this, she does, she doesn't like it. Or, you know, if I actually slow down and take time to listen to my partner, he's, you know, he's going to realize that he doesn't want to be with me. You can see how this isn't really a rational thought process. This is something that's happened, you know, to um, cause this coupling in our brain, probably at a very young age where we may have read a situation in that way so that if we, you know, slowed down and listened, you know, all of a sudden the person, you know, our best friend ran off with another little kid, you know, and we were left by ourselves. And our brain has kind of coupled that together and said, well, if you slow down and actually try to listen, nobody's going to care and they, they won't like you and they'll just run off and do their own thing. And then in your brain, every time that happens, in order to kind of help you respond really quickly and not let you, you know, kind of be flailing around trying to figure out, a, a you know, um, a considered response, it's just like, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to slow down and listen to anybody else. I'm not going to give them a chance to run away. I'm going to keep their attention all the time because if people run away from me, that hurts. You know, this is basically is something has hurt us in the past, whether that's a traumatic situation, um, you know, in a, in a physical way, maybe it's a, an emotional way. So these kind of loops get, get in our brain and we have a really hard time doing anything else we have a hard time uncoupling these because they're so ingrained and so sometimes what i find with many clients is we don't actually realize that we have these if then rules we could call them and so it could be an interesting um it could be an interesting uh exercise for you to just sit down and write you know if this happens then that is obviously what it means if nobody comes to my party it means that, you know, I'm unlovable. Nobody ever likes me. If, you know, it doesn't matter if there was a snowstorm that night or if some somebody else, you know, had, it was a parent-teacher meeting at school or something else, it would, in your mind, you've made up that this is the ending of that story um, in, in response to what's happened earlier in your life. So you could write down, if this happens, dot, 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 then whatever you think happens. If I do this thing, then that thing happens. If I say this, then, you know, my partner gets angry. If I do, you know, if I do this the way I want to, my partner cries and then that hurts. You know, all of those if then rules that we carry into our relationships. And it can be an interesting exercise to look at those and really ask ourselves. This is what I find is the funny part. And I might just be alone in thinking this is funny, but you know, when you actually look at them down there in black and white on your paper, it's like, this doesn't make any sense. You know, if I take time to listen to my partner, that doesn't mean they're going to run off. Like, where did I come up with that? And I mean, maybe you'll have a, a flash of insight into that, but maybe you won't. It doesn't really matter. The point is, is that you've coupled those things together that with your rational mind in the present moment not in that traumatic situation or not in that triggered situation you can look at that and go huh well that is interesting you know that's not really necessarily true so 
this is, you know, something that we as humans are wired to do. So it's not like, oh my gosh, I'm a bad person because I have a whole lot of these coupled responses, but they can become very all encompassing and it can become very difficult to, you know, um, have any kind of um, conscious, thought, thoughtful, reflective uh, relationship at all, because we could just be acting all the time on these types of coupled up responses. In which case, when people say you're just on in habitual mode, you're just like, you know, reactive instead of responsive, you know, we're just basically acting out old patterns over and over again. And this is exactly what I work with, with many of the people that come and work with me is they've had trauma and they've created these survival strategies, the, or, you know, these kind of adaptive strategies, and they've just kind of put them, you know, these strategies have just become so ingrained in their brain that they don't even realize they're doing them anymore until they get to a place where they want to have a, an intimate relationship or they're in a new relationship or they start feeling, um, you know, sexual or whatever. And then everything comes up, you know, and, um, they're like, oh, I can't even be close to anyone because I'm afraid I start shaking. I'm expecting the worst, you know, something's going to go wrong. I run away before someone else breaks up with me, like all of those things. So, you know, this is, this is a, a problem. I think it, you know, or if it is a problem for you, keep listening. Cause we're going to talk about some ways to look at this. And somatic therapy has been one of the ways that has begun to deal with these overcoupled traumatic response type systems. So we, you know, we've basically had too many things become linked together. And so it becomes kind of an overwhelming response and we actually don't know where to start a lot of the times. And, you know, it may even have gotten to the point where you're just, you're in physical pain or you actually get sick um, and your body has begun to respond in these ways too. So we, we want to recreate more flexible, variable and congruent kind of um, motion between our, what we sense and, you know, what we, the story we make up and the behavior that we do in response to something that happens or a thought that we have. So we want to kind of go through different channels of awareness and we can separate those out. So it's kind of like, let's pick apart all this knotted mess that we've, you know, our brain has kind of put all this stuff together that we want to kind of pull the threads apart and see where each thread goes and where we maybe want to re reroute it in a different way. So one of these areas is sensation. And this can be, um, you know, an interesting one, because we're so used to saying, Oh, how do you feel today? And someone will just be like, Oh, I feel happy or I feel great. But what does that really mean? We're not actually talking about sensation in that we're talking about an emotion, about a feeling. So if we actually kind of break it down to what is the sensation we're feeling, this is something, you know, we have to practice because we're not actually taught very often. Um, but a sensation would be something like, well, I feel a little bit of a queasiness in my stomach. I feel a tension rising in my shoulders. I feel, um, I feel my jaw tightening. I feel, um, I feel my feet kind of freeze up like I'm floating off the ground. Those are all kind of sensations that we might notice. 
in response to a stimulus or something that's happening in the in the world. We may have um, imagery that comes up with that as well. So this can include like internal kind of dreams or visions, symbols, or favorite places, memories. So we may have like this imagery that comes up. So it could be that every time we see a large man walk towards us, we feel this tension in our jaw increasing and it goes into our neck. So this is from an image of someone walking towards us. Now that could be because when you were a kid, you had you were petrified of your neighbor who was a really big guy because he used to always be angry when he came over or something, shouted at you or whatever. There's some kind of connection there for you with that sort of image that you sense. This could also be a smell or a taste or something like that. And we would call this a trigger. So there could be a trigger there that creates an image, um, whether it's a olfactory image, like something we smell, we, we the scent of, I don't know, cigarette smoke brings up certain um, images in our mind. The other way, thing we can kind of pull apart here too is behavior. So this could be um, expressions, tones of voice, inflection of speech. It could be um, a certain type of movement, um, facial expressions. Um, you know, this is often, I don't know, maybe I'm talking for myself, but there's, you know, if you've had, if your mother always looked at you a certain way when she was upset with you, if somebody else has that same expression or a similar one, you may notice that you get triggered by that. So it's a response to a particular behavior. Or if somebody, you know, does, a, you know, swings their arm around and it reminds you of something in the past, that could be linked to a way that you had coupled up that kind of behavior with, um, you know, trauma with a with a bad thing happening or something like that as well. So often it's helpful to look at slowing down and really looking at what was the behavior that triggered me? Like, did this person come at me really quickly? I've worked with some people with PTSD and that's often one that triggers people is, um, you know, someone standing really close to you or if they're talking, they step right, they step too close to you. Um, or right in your face and that is triggering for you and then it brings up sensation of tension and an image of having to fight your way out of you know being cornered those kinds of things um, and then the affect so the emotional response to something um, may be triggering you as well so this could be like a fear response going into the woods or getting into a car when you've had an accident in the past, or like I said at the beginning, going to a crowded marketplace, all of those kinds of things could have an emotional response for you. You could feel fear, you could feel sadness, you could feel, um, you know, uh, disgust. There could be some kind of emotional response and this could be something else. We could kind of pull out this thread and notice. And then the meaning that we put to that is kind of the, you know, the then part. So if this and this and this, then here's the meaning we've given to it. You know, nobody likes me or I'm unlovable or whatever the then part. So we've given this a meaning. So this could be also kind of a, a way of looking at when you have that thought, what happens in your body? And you can start to give that a different meaning. So, oh, you know, you had the thought that um, you were 
you weren't um, lovable, what happens in your body? Oh, you tense up. Oh, when you tense up, you feel like you're unlovable. You know, you could, you could actually get the meaning that you've created as a loop there. And you might even be able to pull yourself off that loop, that chain of responses and go, well, just because I'm tense doesn't mean I'm unlovable. Just because I have a thought that I might be unlovable, I could still relax my body. We can start sort of uncoupling these responses. So all of those types of things we can actually pick apart and they're all separate um, aspects of memory and separate aspects of our um, awareness of ourself. So it's super interesting to actually realize that, you know, when I go to a crowded marketplace and I'm worried that someone's going to rob me and I tense up and I smell all the people and I see people moving quickly and bumping into me and all of that, all of those things that have become together to make me afraid to go in crowded places, I could say, well, you know, that all doesn't need to go together to make me feel like I'm always going to get robbed in a crowded place. I can decide to make some different choices, you know, and that, that option to make a choice is really what is very empowering in these types of relational and trauma, trauma responses. It's when we realize that we don't have to just stay on that wheel that our brain has created and that we can, you know, be very grateful that our brain did that because maybe for years that kept you safe. Um, maybe it kept you, um, you know, on the alert and you were able to predict when things were going to go bad. You know, people that uh, grow up in dysfunctional families or perhaps you had an alcoholic parent, all that kind of thing. You're on high alert all the time. You learned to put together all those types of things to trigger a response to, to keep you safe, whether that was go lock yourself in your room, go to your friend's house, you know, things are going bad, you know, we need to, to do something. But that doesn't always have to be the case. And it is helpful and very empowering to find that we can actually change some of those automatic responses and actually become more able to just be in the present moment and realize that we're not in the past and that perhaps when our partner now comes along and says you know um let's go for let's go for a drive or let's go to the market because it's super fun there's lots of things going on that it doesn't have to mean bad things are happening it could mean you know that you could say okay this is the present moment if I take precautions and, you know, don't take much money with me, maybe I don't take my purse, da 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 da, I could have a really nice uh, evening in the marketplace. I'm going with my partner, where, you know, somebody's gonna be there with me. All of those things that you can do that would help you to change that experience and allow you to still go. So these types of things, that exercise that I gave you as a possible fun thing to try, if this happens, then that will happen. Just see if you can pick out one of those things that comes up between you and your partner or you and a friend. If you catch yourself thinking, oh, if I, you know, if I don't call my friend, they're never going to call me. If you catch yourself thinking something like that, try to take a step back and see if there would be another option. That one, that example there, I've heard people say a lot, you know, I'm always the one that has to call 
I'm always the one that has to have an idea. This happens in relationships, close relationships too. I always have to come up with where we're going to go on our date night. If I don't do that, then my partner wouldn't plan anything. So there's a, a very um, judgmental attitude. Probably means that your partner is not going to appreciate or try to make any plans because you've kind of already decided that they won't do it. Or they've just been like, well, she's always going to do it, so I don't need to try. So it would be interesting to, you know, do an experiment and say, hey, I've decided not to plan our date night this Friday and give you the opportunity to plan that. And I'm so excited to see what your your idea is for our date night. And then you just leave it and see what they come up with. And if they don't come up with anything, it doesn't necessarily mean you failed or anything is, you know, they don't love you. What it means is that, you know, you've actually stuck to a new way of thinking and maybe they haven't quite stepped into that role yet, but it's given them some space to think about possibility like, oh, you mean if you if I don't plan something and uh, you're not going to just step in and do it for me? Oh, well, now we have nothing to do on our date night. Oh, wow. You know, that actually might wake them up to something that they might want to step into as a new pattern for them too. So I give you that as an opportunity and let me know how that goes. Um, it takes some, it takes a lot of love and a lot of compassion to, to work with that with your partner because we are so stuck in our patterns. So try not to be too judgmental if they don't get it right away or if you have trouble not being sarcastic or just being like, see, I told you it wasn't going to work. Try to allow some space for new things to emerge. This is always um, helpful, I think, in relationships is to not, you know, um, put our partner in a box and then leave them there. It's a, to allow our partner to grow, to change, to be a new person every day. And it's for them to allow us to do that, too. It's um, extremely helpful to a relationship in growing and developing to allow each other to do that. And it requires us to let go of these types of trauma overcoupling responses. So hopefully that's something to, to um, think about at least and maybe put into practice. Let me know how it goes. Do reach out for me, ailsakepi.com or my coaching relationship coaching website, pleasureforhealth.com. Keep in touch with me. Reach out if you're interested in doing some work. I have different levels of programs from working one-on-one -on -one with me, coming for an intimate uh, week-long retreat where we do lots of um, in-person and very in-depth either body work or mental work or coaching to just online programs where you can just sign up and work at your own pace. There's everything there for you to get started. There's no uh, excuses for continuing to be unhappy in your relationship or even with in your relationship with yourself. There is something you can do. It's a new year. It's 2023. Happy New Year to everyone. And hopefully we can move forward together this year. Thank you so much for joining me and we will be back soon.